Love this podcast? Support this show through the ACAST supporter feature. It's up to you how much you give and there's no regular commitment. Just hit the link in the show description to support now. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Coming up on this edition of the TV Blackbox one-on-one podcast, we talk to a band that has performed in many theatre productions, such as Signal in the Rain, Priscilla, Queen of the Desert, The Musical, The Boy from Oz, Grease, is a judge on Dancing with the Stars, has another upcoming special television series, and encourages celebrities to take off their clothes. It could only be Todd McKenney. This is TV Black Box, bringing you the inside goss from the TV industry. Hello, gorgeous people, and welcome to another edition of the TV Black Box one-on-one podcast. I'm Aaron Ryan. Joining me today is Todd McKinney from Dancing with the Stars, which at the time of recording this podcast, we are two days away from the premiere on 7. Todd, thanks for joining me. My pleasure. I watched the first episode of Dancing with the Stars and my heart seriously just glowed. There was something special about having the gang back together and remembering a different time in my life and how different television was 17 years ago. Was it like putting an old glove back on or did it feel different this time? No, well, a little bit of both, but mainly it felt very comfortable. Um, certainly from, you know, the point of view where the, you know, the four of us judges were back together again. And we had so many years of very comfortable banter and getting to know each other that that felt very comfy. And, you know, having Daryl and Sonia uh, back hosting in, in their original roles as well felt very familiar. But then the production values of the show have just grown so much. And like you just said then in your intro, the you know, just seeing how television was, you know, different and rawer and um, it just feels like it's a grown-up version of the show now, but with the same familiar elements, I suppose. Well, similar question, but the banter between yourself and Sonia was back like (laughs) seriously zero time had passed. Did did it feel that way with you two? (laughs) Yes. She's a naughty girl. She's such a naughty girl. She drags me into her... uh, into her web, and I'm sure she concocts it all up in the dressing room and doesn't give me any heads up and just suddenly she's throwing to me in the first two minutes of the show and I'm like, okay, we're back. (laughs) And Sonia knows how to give me a serve in the right way because we're such good friends. Well, I read somewhere that um, that you had stated that Sonia Kruger was your first girlfriend at like 12 years of age. Was that actually true? Yes. That was true. So Sonia and I were, well, we both got brought up in the ballroom, competitive ballroom dancing world. So I was in Perth and my partner and I represented Perth at all of the different various national championships. And Sonia 
danced um, with her partner, Darren, and she represented Queensland. So she was the Queensland champion. And so we used to meet probably seven or eight times a year at the various national championships. And, yeah, we'd hold hands and, you know, have a peck <laughs> at the um, at the at the competitions and um, yeah we just always became really we just became very great friends very quickly Sonia and I so we have a lot of history yeah well throughout the show there is some um, quick uh, clips back to other contestants that appeared on the show such as Chris Hemsworth and some of the other judges from later series like Adam Garcia are featured in comments we are we're really going to be walking down memory lane aren't we Yes, and that's interesting because you you have a direct sort of correlation um, of how we've all changed. <laughs> um, for good or for bad, you can make your own minds up about that, but there was some certainly some interesting hair going on back in the day. There was um, a Botox phase that I went through for a couple of years couple of <laughs> there, which was the biggest mistake. Um, and then, uh, yeah, and fashion, of course, you know, my ties are wider and, you know, all of that, just, just, it's really interesting, but they haven't done it to kind of, um, slam us. They've, they've done that, um, sort of retrospective look at the old us. I think this has a nod to the past and a very familiar time in a lot of people's lives. And so it was scary to watch myself, but, um, it is what it is. Life goes on. We've all got older. Yeah, it is a lot of fun. You mentioned Daryl Summers and Sonia Kruger are back as hosts for the show. Now, Daryl is not the most, I guess, polished host, and I say that in the way that he does not purely read off an auto cue for every comment and has everything pre-rehearsed. I absolutely love that. The show comes across as so authentic and like everyone is sort of one big family and you make fun of each other's comments. It feels like everyone is just being themselves. It, you know, it heralds back to that the days of live variety. Does it feel like that for you, just not having everything scripted? Yeah. Yes, it does. And then that's the part of television I like. I mean, to have it um, too sanitised, I think, gives it a sort of stale staleness, whereas Daryl, you know, has cut his teeth over decades of that, you know, off-the-cuff live television stuff. And Sonia's very familiar with live television and all of us on the judging panel are live performers. So we're, we're used to that kind of... Yeah, it's not always going to be polished. And, and I think Daryl has always um, held on to that. And, and, and he definitely didn't want to go back and reshoot anything that had a little stumble in it because that is natural. That's what people are like in real life. And I think that's where some of the comedy gold is, really. Yeah. Is people just, you know, being themselves and stumbling and, 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 and sort of that familiar banter. You know, when we talk to each other in our everyday lives, we stumble and we say um and we say ah and we you know, use spoonerisms and, you know, all sorts of things. So, yeah, that's definitely captured in the show, yeah. But just so we can learn something about professional uh, dancers, we um, have said that the judges and the hosts are back together, but I saw a few comments about the lack of professional dancers returning. Now, I messaged to Michael Misner, who had teamed up with Beck Hewitt in the first season, asking why he wasn't back, and it was simply because he ha hasn't danced for quite some time. You know, it's been 17 years since he was first on the show. In AFL, once you sort of get over 30, that's probably considered old in the sport. What is the general age of when a professional dancer might sort of get out of the main arena? And is that is why we're not seeing some of the, you know, older dancers from years ago? Well, it's, it, yes, look, it's, it, it's kind of, it's, it's, however your body holds up, your body really dictates 
um, and your mental attitude to a degree, but mainly your body dictates really how long you can stay at your prime and how long you feel like you're representing yourself in your chosen field in the right way and contributing in a, in a positive way. So a lot of the professional dancers that I know sort of start to bow out around 40 um, and start to, cons- because that's when the niggles happen. You know, we thrash our bodies as dancers, yeah. especially ballroom dancers. You know, they're lifting girls, they're spinning partners around, they're putting, contorting their bodies into weird and wonderful shapes. That has a shelf life, and that play does end up playing havoc on your body. I mean, I'm having to slow down my dancing at the moment because I've got really bad arthritis in my big toe. Oh, and I know that sounds like, it doesn't sound like much probably to anybody who didn't use their big toe, but my big toe is very important to me. <laughs> it's my takeoff and landing leg. And, I, you know, I use it, you know, to dance. So I, I, I've been able to adapt what I do because I sort of sing and sort of broad, more broadly entertain these days than just hanging my hat on dancing. But I don't know, it's, your body's going to tell you when it's time to, um, to hang up the razzle-dazzle. <laughs> mm. Well, let's get to the question that people have, and I have a feeling that you've been asked this a million times, but here we go. Um, there is very mixed reviews about having Chappelle Corby as part of the show, even if, even if she should be called a celebrity. Do you think she deserves a spot on the dance floor, or do you think this is an executive decision for, I guess, stunt casting to get people talking about the show? Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. At Mint Mobile, we like to do the opposite of what Big Wireless does. They charge you a lot, we charge you a little. So naturally, when they announced they'd be raising their prices due to inflation, we decided to deflate our prices due to not hating you. That's right. We're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Um, well, I think it's a bit of both. I think, I think you know, it's up to... It's, I can certainly see why the television producers, you know, would want to create a bit of banter about the show. Um, that's just how that works. And uh, I can also understand that the decision ultimately lands in Chappelle's lap, how she wants to play it and whether she wants to remain in the public eye in some way or whether she wants to sort of bow out and sort of, you know, blend in. And she's chosen through her own free will to accept the offer. So I think it's a matter of um, a, a decision by the network and ultimately Chappelle's decision to put herself out there. I don't think she's under any um, misguided sort of um, understanding that it's not going to cause controversy because I think having a look at her socials and having a look at people's reactions on the dancing website socials and and socials, um, she certainly is copying it, but that's what she's decided to do. And my job is to judge her without fear nor favour and do my job. So I don't really embark on the whole having an opinion about whether she should or shouldn't be there. My job is to, she was there and I've been asked to adjudicate her dancing, so I did it very fairly. Fair enough. 
Look, I want to, to ask you about your scoring. Now, I've watched every season of Dancing with the Stars since the first season, and generally speaking, and this, of course, will be a couple of exceptions, your score is either the same as the other three judges, so it'll be a 7-7-7-7, or your score will always be lower than the other other three, so, for example, 6-7-7-7. Mm. It's very rare for you to score higher than the other judges. Is that a fair assessment? And if you agree... Why do you think you score lower? Is it higher expectations on your part? Or is it just a personal view that you don't think the contestant is quite up to the same mark as what the other judges think? No, I always make a joke that I just, um, because I've been dancing so long and my body is sore, I just reach down into the judging paddle box and pull out something and I'm as surprised as everybody else when I hold up the score. <laughs> that is... That is a joke. Yeah. Uh, but that's not true. So what I try and do is just leave myself somewhere to go. So if I if the first contestant comes out and I score them at eight, then I've only got two more marks to go if somebody is, comes out and is really amazing. Um, and I don't, I don't think there's value in somebody feel, a competitor feeling like in the early episodes particularly that, they've got the ultimate score and there's nowhere else for them to go and no higher achievement that they can um, strive for. And so that's why I tend to score lower, just to give myself somewhere to go if there's an incredible performance um, and also to keep, um, you know, gently enticing the, uh, the competitors to strive more. And we don't collude. The judges don't collude. We, you know, when we do all, all sevens or all eights or seven, eight, seven, eight, that's just sort of luck at the draw. We're as surprised as each other when we hear each other's scores. So it's all uh, genuinely marked. Yeah. Mm. I'll ask you about um, the show's going up against the final two weeks of Married at First Sight. At least five episodes of the show will be up against the, uh, the bigger show in town. There are some wondering why the hell Seven would do that. But um, in reality, the show was actually only commissioned at the, um, at the last minute because of the delay of the Australian Open which pushed maths past Easter, leaving a two-week gap in the schedule. So Seven commissioned this as a two-week event to fill that gap specifically, which, of course, is a double-edged sword, really. Ideally, you wouldn't want to be up against maths, but the reality is, without the delay to maths, there is probably there was probably going to be no dancing with the stars. Is that right? Oh, look, I wouldn't have a clue about that. Um, but I don't think uh, Married at First Sight... I think there's a lot of people that don't watch Married at First Sight, yeah. And I'm one of them. <laughs> um, it's not it, to me. It's just from what I've seen. It's not. It's not my sort of show. It makes me cringe. So I think there's a hell of a lot of people, the same as me. And I think those people are probably the core Dancing with the Stars audience, to be honest. Which may be slightly an older demographic, a more conservative demographic. And I think Dancing with the Stars is such a well-oiled machine and such a well-loved show within that demographic and a solid core audience around a million people, mm. even to the, when we finished Dancing with the Stars before it went over to 10, you know, we've still had a core audience of around a million, between 800 and a million. So I think that's still a healthy number for um, television uh, networks to appreciate and be able to sell advertising off the back of. And, um, and this is all my own opinion, of course. But yeah. so I think there's a lot of people out there not watching Dancing with the Stars, not watching Maps, and I think Dancing with the Stars will attract nearly all of those people. And I think that's, I presume, that's what the networks will be, you know, hoping for. 
um, you know, it's hard these days, I suppose, networks. I don't know anything about, you know, how they program and stuff. I'm just, uh, you know, a punter in that regard. But, you know, it's, it must be hard for them these days because so many people will record a show or watch it on catch-up. Uh, so it's, it must be a really difficult position to know exactly who's watching what when. Yeah. So I think the numbers won't necessarily reflect our final audience, to be honest. Well, Seven will be waiting for reaction to the show, the ratings and so on. But have you heard any whispers that uh, should things go well, just stand by Todd because Dancing with the Stars could come back? Uh, no, but I think, you know, that we, everyone certainly went into the show with, with optimism um, that it will do well and that, um, you know, Blind Freddie could tell you that we'll be seeing it on, the, on, our, um, on our Channel 7 stations again if it did do well. So I'm, I, I love it. You know, in 16, 16 series that I've done at the show, over now 13 years, um, I've never got sick of it. I know Helen has never got sick of it either. So we've got everything that we will again. It's just one of those shows that we just, you know, race to the studio to do every week. So hopefully we'll, um, we'll, we'll do really well and it deserves to because it's a great show. Absolutely. Um, we are coming to a close with our time. I just want to ask you, all new Monty, that's coming back later this year? Um, well, well, yes, again, that's another great show for Channel 7 that does incredibly well. Huge. And it also, it's huge. And it's also, that's been one of the most fun gigs I've been involved with over the last decade, actually. I, I feel really attached to that show. And um, I'll, we'll, I'll jump at it if they do it again. And I'm sure they will, because not only is it entertaining and fun to work on from my point of view, but it saves lives. And there's not many television shows that, I work on, if any, that I can actually say that. But there's so much evidence and feedback from people that I get directly about uh, about how that saved lives. For instance, I went to Adelaide um, a few months ago to do a gig, and as the flight was landing, this lady next to me was sitting there with her son, and she said, Todd, I've just got to meet you before we get off the plane, and I've been plucking up the courage. <laughs> and I said, why? why? She went, I'm here because of that show. She said, I watched that show, and I knew I had a lump in my breast. And I um, said to my partner, well, I'm going to tell you now, I've got a lump in my breast. I should go and get it checked. And she got it checked the next day. And she was waiting for Christmas to go by and she was going to have a double mastectomy. She had breast cancer. And she said, I wouldn't be sitting here with my son if it wasn't for that show. So how many shows can you sort of say that about? And that, that just makes me feel like a million bucks. And um, so, yeah, if that, if that goes again, I'll be front and centre for sure. Uh, second last question. I believe you filmed a series called Bates on a Mission with some of the other guys from the All New Monty. Um, that was a little mm. while ago. Is that is that still possibly coming up? To, to, oh, to well, yes, I hope so. Apparently it's really great. I haven't seen the final edit of it. It was hilarious to shoot. Absolutely hilarious. Um, we had some other episodes to shoot of that, to finish that um, that strip of shows. And we'd only done part one of it, so I don't know whether they're waiting for COVID, of course, because that, that was all shot internationally. Ah. And so we can't travel internationally at the moment. So uh, whether they're waiting for international borders to open again so we can finish the other three or whether they'll just put the three that they've got to air. Um, now, I'm not sure, but it was really funny to shoot. And if it comes on air, mates on a mission, um, check it out because it was hilarious.
Awesome. So just to draw to a close, final question. Dancing with the Stars is back. What can we expect? Is it a high level of dancing and judging because it's an all-stars? Is it a trip down memory lane? Are lots of banter, lots of silliness, or all of the above? Uh, well, all of the above. The uh, two things to look out for are um, the level of dancing from the all-stars, but also from two of the wild cards were just of a standard of professionalism that I haven't seen in, in non-professional dancers before. So the level is incredible right from the very beginning. And also, I think you'll be interested to watch Chappelle Corby's first dance. That's all. I'll leave that at that. Oh, there you go. So as I said, I did watch the... Uh preview episode but um i got it got right to the end and it was just about to say the uh, the contestant that got cut and then it cut away and said i'll have to watch it on sunday night <laughs> unbelievable How dare they? it was I can't so believe television producers would do that <laughs> unbelievable well todd I, I really hope the show does well it's so good to see the uh the gang back on our screen in the way that uh seven have done it with so much nostalgia Good luck with the series, and um, we'll see you soon, hopefully, for the all-new Monty and if uh, Seven Get Out mates with a mission, mates on a mission. Oh, yeah, thanks, Aaron. I really appreciate it. That was Todd McKinney from Dancing with the Stars, which will air over a two-week period from April 11th on Seven. I've seen the first episode, as I said, and I can genuinely say it was a, it was a nice, it was like putting on a nice pair of old Ugg boots. It was fantastic. Uh, it really was an enjoyable episode, and it's going to be a great season, I'm sure. They flew through that episode. It definitely does not feel like 90 minutes. That's what I'll say. Thank you so much, Todd. That's all from this edition from the TV Black Box podcast one-on-one -on -one series. You can catch up with other episodes, including the last one I did uh, with uh, Nodi Hazelhurst. Um, she's a great TV icon. Thank you once again to the lovely Todd McKinney, and I'll be back soon with another special guest. Until then... Look after yourselves, and for now, goodbye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.